Everybody's recording. All right. Great, great, great. How is everyone? Welcome along to Panic Attack with Big John. I am Big John, in case you didn't notice that. Uh, find me on Getter and Twitter at the real underscore Big John. Uh, do all the like, share, subscribe, leave a comment, stuff. Uh, thank you for listening to me. We're going to listen to a little ditty. Uh, here it is. Uh, from Hillary Clinton. But I wanted to ask you guys. And you can leave a comment somewhere. Or tweet or get whatever uh, form you use. Uh, let me tell you what I did. The other day, I went out and... Uh, I put on a, I'm going to put on a Christmas event. So a lawyer friend of mine sent a sponsorship. I made it him a Christmas card and wrote thank you in it. And I also hit up a Sheets gas station for a gift card. So I put these things someplace where I wouldn't lose them. Have you ever put something in a special place so you don't lose it and then you forget where that place is? Because that's what I did. And for the last week, I've been like, where did I leave those? Well, I had this plastic grocery store bag. I was like, it's in, it's in there. They're, they're in there. At least the gift card is. The, the other card, I, I must have mailed it, I guessed. So I realized... I threw away the plastic bag. And I'm looking all around because, you know, I have things going on. And I'm like, that gift card's got to be here somewhere. And then I'm like, oh, shit. Was it in that plastic bag I threw away? And I didn't just throw it in the, the house trash can. I threw it in the big trash can that you put out to the curb. So I'm about to go outside with my shoes on and my shorts and rummage through the trash and it kind of dawned on me where I had my backpack with me that day maybe I should look in my backpack and thank heavens the card the thank you card and the gift card were down in a, a special pocket in the backpack before I went rummaging through my trash can outside for all the neighbors to see but you, did you ever do that? You basically hide something from yourself and then you forget where you hid it. Uh, I put something in a special place. Did you ever do that? And then you forget where the special place is. I do that with money sometimes too. I, I keep, someday when I drop dead, where one of you breaks into my house now, someone's going to find like hundreds of dollars that I've hidden from myself and then I forget where I hit it <laughs> uh, so hey if you ever feel like you know I don't know going to jail if 10 or 20 or 100 bucks is worth the time break into my house and snoop around you'll probably find some money in some drawers or boxes or some pl weird place that I decided to hide from something important, and then I forgot where I hid it. <laughs> so anyways, well, Hillary Clinton 
and the Democrats are prepping for 2024. She has, uh, here it is. Hillary Clinton is saying that the MAGA Republicans are preparing to steal the 2024 elections. Let's see if we can hear what. Hello, Indivisibles. I'm here to highlight something that (laughs) is keeping me up at night. And I know this group really understands what I'm about to say. I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections, and they are incredibly important. But we also have to look ahead, because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing-controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote, or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures, many of them Republican-controlled. But there's also good news in the face of this very real threat to democracy. Indivisible has launched Crush the Coup to make sure we're ready to defend democracy in 2024. They've put together a list of critical races in six key states and how you can get involved. Will you support Crush the Coup by donating to indivisible and state legislature candidates? Each of these races is highly competitive, and your dollars could very well decide the winners and the winner of the next presidential election. This could not be more important or more urgent. Dollar dollar bill, player. So Hillary Clinton, and I'm sure her goons in Hollywood will follow in lockstep and donate millions to these races, says that us right-wing, nuclear ultra-mega people... are plotting the demise of the 2024 election. 2024 presidential election. Boy, oh boy. They are setting up to lose. They know they're going to lose. Now, does this make Hillary an election denier? She denied that she lost to Donald Trump fair and crooked. She, you know... Red led, pardon me, the fake Russia narrative, the Russian collusion narrative. We know she was involved in that. She had knowledge of what her campaign and the FBI were doing to try to fake Russian interference in the 2016 election, thus 
negating Trump's win. So it was like a reverse double cross they were setting up. Now she's decided, and the Democrats have decided, they're going to get clobbered in these 2022 midterms. The majority of state legislatures are already Republican-controlled. There are going to be a multitude, an overwhelming majority of Republican governors, and there will be even bigger and more Republican-controlled legislatures. And what I mean by that is Republican state legislatures that have a majority, that majority is going to grow. The Supreme Court is about to make a constitutional decision. The Constitution says that the electors and elections, the way that, uh, let's say, uh, District maps are drawn. This is another thing. This is what started this whole thing was the way district maps were drawn. Uh, They're going to rule with the Constitution. So this makes them radical right-wing extremists because they believe in the rule of law and the overwhelming rule of this land, I would say right underneath God's law, but the the rule of the United States is the Constitution. I put God first, but even the atheists in America, if you're a true American, you have to understand that the Constitution is the overarching law of the land. Right? So when the Supreme Court rules that the power of drawing uh, congressional and state house and state senate districts belongs to the state legislatures, they're making a constitutional decision. This decision may also include the electors. If a state feels that they're a presidential electors that go to the electoral college and cast those votes uh, that they were unfairly elected they can audit the vote look at signatures signature matching addresses and say uh, so and so doesn't have the uh, num- the correct number of electors so our I think Ohio, we have 16 electors. Our 16 electors aren't going to go vote for Donald Trump. They're going to have to vote for, God help us, Joe Biden. This is what the Republicans tried to do on January 6th and got ruined by the Capitol riot. But, nevertheless... The, the constitutional judges on the Supreme Court, who we need more of, are going to rule in favor of the Constitution. And Hillary wants to thwart that. Is it thwart or thwart? She wants to derail that by getting her rich friends involved in state legislature races. They're already setting up 
their own, the Democrats, they have their election deniers too. Theirs just aren't as based in facts. Their election deniers are based on emotions. And they also want to eliminate the safeguard of the Electoral College, the safeguard for the smaller states, and go to a popular vote. Hillary's just a sore loser. You know, uh, she she can't win a presidential election because she's she's evil, she's mean, she's rude to people, and it all comes across on the campaign trail. That's how Barack Obama won the Democrat primary. That and the Kennedys got behind him. Man, how bad is it when even the Kennedys think you suck? The Kennedy, the Kennedy crime family was a generation before the Clinton crime family. I better watch. I badmouth the Kennedys and the Clintons too bad. Somebody's going to whack me. So, Democrats are already setting up to be election deniers in 2024, try to get rid of the Electoral College and get a popular vote. Uh, get The Electoral College, I'm telling you people, if you don't understand it, don't vote. That's all I can tell you, because it's the saving grace of this United States of America. But anyways, enough on that. Point is, Hillary and the Democrats are preparing to deny the 2024 presidential election because more than likely Donald Trump will be the president for the third time, officially for the second time, but anyhow, you get my point. Uh, don't buy it. And Republicans, you got to get your friends out there voting this November. It's take a friend to the polls day. If you don't have any friends, make some friends between now and Election Day. So let's pause, come back and talk about some more of these these debates that uh, I've been watching. What they tell me and what they can tell you about the coming red tsunami in November, just a few days away, really. Okay, coming right back. Coming right back at you. All right, we're recording on all cylinders again. So, I've been following these debates uh, from other states, as well as uh, my own state's Senate race. I don't think there's going to be a gubernatorial uh, or gubernatorial goob, gubernatorial debate in Ohio, but I don't really care. DeWine's going to win by 20. It's going to be like uh, 80, no, it's going to be like 60% of the vote to 40% over Nan, uh, but the the overarching 
theme that I seem to pick up on in these uh, national, <clears throat> these races that the nation is focusing on, uh, Herschel Walker and Warnock, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and some guy, uh, she's winning by like a ridiculous percentage in the polls, um, I'd like to see AOC debate her opponent. That would be fun because uh, the lady she's running against, the last poll had her down by 4%. And in that district, she has no business being down 4%. AOC should be up 20 But anyways, uh, tonight I watched the Lee, Zeldin, and Hochul New York governor debate. And then I watched Dr. Oz and John Fetterman in the Pennsylvania Senate debate. And the theme of this, these debates for Democrats are, we're not Donald Trump. He's not even running anymore. He's not running currently. Um, also, it's, we're not Republicans. And that's all. That's their whole platform, their whole... Uh, speech when they get in these debates. This was a year when the consultants and the advisors told Republicans, don't run on issues, don't run on uh, anything other than we're not Joe Biden. Make it a referendum on Biden. But the Republican candidates who are supposed to be so weak, uh, Dr. Oz, Lee Zeldin, Herschel Walker. They're running issue-based campaigns, and people are hearing them. And they're talking about things that real people really relate to. So they're going against their advisors, and instead of just running on, we're not Joe Biden, they're running on the issues, and they're getting closer, <clears throat> closer, and, <clears throat> pardon me, got a sinus thing. They're getting closer and getting ahead in their races in the polling. And it's like, man, this has gone from a red wave, they say, to a red tsunami. Governor Whitmer is in trouble in Michigan. I want to watch that debate also, but I'm sure it's going to be the, the same theme. Governor Whitmer, and I can't even name her opponent, her opponent's pretty beautiful, though. Uh, Governor Whitmer is going to lose, I think. It's a, a tie race right now. That Michigan is so blue. It was stunning when Trump won it in 2016. And that race has no business being close. But the Democrats are making policy and addressing policy issues that don't matter to the American people. They're looking at things like, we have to stand up for trans rights. We have to stand up for abortion. On the last national survey I saw, inflation was number one, and the economy was number two, and which those are tied together rather closely. But people are afraid they're going to lose their jobs soon. People are afraid that they can't pay their bills. 
people are afraid that they are not going to be able to put food on the table. Uh, you know, there's about to be, people have been telling me there's about to be a record number of car repossessions because uh, some survey said that like two out of three or three out of five or a lot of people, no, they're, um, a lot of people will just say it that way because I can't remember the exact number. A lot of people are two or three months behind on their car payments. Well, they have to put food on their table. I guess they fear if their car gets repossessed, they can bum a ride to work or get an Uber. But the prices at the stores, the prices at the pump have gone up so much. People are worried about the economy overall and especially inflation. Democrats are campaigning on, we're not Donald Trump, we're not Republicans. Republicans want to take a woman's reproductive rights away. Okay, so some of the things I picked up on, uh, Lee Zeldin talked a lot about things would change on January 1st, and Holcomb attacked him on that, which was kind of strange. Holcomb uh, says that, you know, there need there needs to be policies. Uh, then she didn't present any policy. Uh, she said things will be good because I am governor, basically. And that she accused Holcomb of saying nothing more than, well, things will be better on January 1st because I'm going to be governor. Uh, but Holcomb, or Zeldin, pardon me, talked about policies. He talked about her policies that were hurting the state of New York. And her argument was, well, my policies and the things Joe Biden has done just haven't had time to kick in yet. And when they kick in, things are going to be better. Well, a lot of New Yorkers see that your policies have kicked in and their lives are worse. That's why this is another race that's tied when it should be uh, any Democrat governor winning by 20%. So Hochul, I keep calling her Holcomb. That was a quarterback for the Browns years ago. Hochul, uh, she attacked Zeldin on abortion. She uh, turned Zeldin's accusation of uh, no bail bond and her being weak on crime into a need for national gun control that we need a national ban on assault weapons. Z Zeldin was talking about policies that had made crime worse in the state of New York. And you can't argue that. People are moving out of New York because of the crime. For one of the things. And Zeldin attacked her policies like bail bond reform. And things like that. Weak district attorneys, weak judges that are letting people go uh, with uh, no bail, no bond. That's a policy. She goes into, well, we need to address the national problem of <clears throat> gun control and 
we need a national ban on assault rifles that's hurting the nation. Well, you're running for governor of New York where crime is bad, homelessness is bad, and you're talking about a national assault rifle ban. Okay, way to change the subject when you know the point is you have done a bad job as governor and bail bond reform, basically catch and release of ordinary everyday thug criminals has hurt your cities and your people. So she changed, She just changed the subject and didn't answer the question. Zeldin brought up pay-to-play pay politics, that people host fundraisers for her, and the next day she signs uh, an order that changes a law or that gives them a contract. <laughs> she said no to that. Uh, she just paid no attention. There's no pay to play. <laughs> Didn't address it at all. It sounds like he's got the facts and the receipts to back up what he's saying. She demanded a yes or no. Is Donald Trump a great president? <laughs> And then Zeldin rattled off all of Trump's positive accomplishments, including the ones that helped New York during the, co the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. And he didn't say yes or no, but she, uh, Hochul said, well, I'll take that as a resounding yes. <laughs> so then when asked, will you support Biden in 2024, she said, yes, he has delivered for America in ways we haven't seen yet. So his policies that everyone else, everybody with the brains God gave a pissant, sees as hurting America, she swears help America. It just hasn't had enough time to kick in yet. That old Rush Limbaugh saying that liberals always say, well, if we just tried a little harder, our policies would work. We just haven't tried hard enough. Okay. Uh, Hochul is so cocky, so brash, arrogant. She had a smug, smirky smile on her face the whole time. And people pick up on that, and people do not like that. The American voters, whether it's New York or Ohio or Pennsylvania or BFE, do not like a smug, smirky, arrogant politician. And these Republicans in these debates are talking about the issues that the people care about. And that's why they're, in, they're inching closer and closer to a, a tsunami of an election cycle. This Zeldin... He might have been a good congressman for his district, but he has no business being in a dead heat with the, a Democrat in New York. <clears throat> uh, Zeldin brought up that she's taken money from companies that do business before the state of New York. 
uh, another you know pay to play accusation uh, then Hokel changed the subject to Zelda or Zeldin, not Zelda the Nintendo game. Zeldin voted not to certify Pennsylvania and Arizona electors, and that she was tech or that he was texting with uh, one of the White House chiefs, not the chief of staff, but somebody high up in the White House. Uh, and he said, you know, I did. I sent those text messages a week before the election. So you can't call me an election denier. I sent those texts a week before the election. But week, W-E-A-K, is the kind of candidate Hochul is. And she has to resort to these things uh, to just keep your eye off the sub, or eyes off the subject. Keep your mind off of the real issues. Zeldin, I thought, crushed it. Uh, Hochul, she's a, she avoided questions, and she was pompous. So, that seems to be the Democrat playbook. I'm not, I'm not Donald Trump, and I'm, a, I'm better than you. I know more than you. I, I'm a better person because I'm a politician and you peasants don't understand that the policies I put in place will work and they'll make your life better you just have to shut up and give give it more time doesn't seem to be working Democrats but keep it up because uh, you're helping Republicans win and that's what I like showing their true colors shining through We'll relight this stogie real quick, like went out while I was waving around and ranting. Okay, got the cigar burning again. So Oz Fetterman, Doctor Oz and John Fetterman. Did you know Doctor Oz owns ten mansions? Well, if you didn't know that Dr. Oz supposedly owns 10 mansions, and I don't know what qualifies as a mansion today, and I don't know how many of them Dr. Oz owns, but, you know, the guy worked hard. He's been a successful businessman. Maybe he earned those 10 mansions. But John Fetterman made sure we all know Dr. Oz owns 10 mansions. In fact, those were about the only words... John Fetterman could utter, and myself and other people that were watching this debate, um, I saw the comments on Twitter, it, it was sad, it was sad for John Fetterman, uh, and I don't want to pick on a stroke victim, but frankly, the guy is not in the mental capacity, even though his doctor said that he is. I don't feel he's mentally capable of doing the job. And I know some people have recovered from strokes, but you don't send somebody to the Senate that can't comprehend speech and needs closed captioning so they can read the questions and then uh, give their answer. Uh, 
John Fetterman said back when he was questioned about what his job is and why he doesn't show up to work a lot before the stroke as lieutenant governor, and he said that, well, I use the bully pulpit of the lieutenant governorship to get things done. I translate that into he wants to be a bully. And there were times when he interrupted Dr. Oz and to me it felt like a bully. Let's look at some of the, the things that I noted. He started out the debate saying, do any of you have two ten mansions? So he's already stumbling his words. He's, first he said two ten Two ten mansions, but anyhow, uh, he addressed his his stroke, which I felt he was going to gain sympathy with the viewers and the audience. Uh, but he was hard to understand. Again, I don't want to pick on a sick person, but you know there are things in my life I do and don't do because of my health situation both mental and physical health and until I get my health better I just don't do those things moving on Oz said uh, in his opening remarks one of the things is uh, he wants to make Washington less radical he is perceived as kind of a moderate, even though he's a MAGA guy. Fetterman, he says, is a radical when it comes to crime, drugs, and the border. Uh, Fetterman wants to get rid of bail bonds. And he wants to make even hard drugs like heroin legal. Uh, he wants an open border, which I covered that in my last video. Why we don't want open borders. Uh, Oz says Fetterman wants to raise your taxes, but he do, he did not pay his own taxes 67 times. Uh, Fetterman said something about, he tried to rebut this with, he was helping two people purchase a house and they didn't pay the taxes and it came back on him, but eventually the taxes got paid. Huh, well, huh? And that wasn't a matter of him not being able to communicate. That was probably the most clear statement he made all night, and it still didn't make sense. Uh, Fetterman on inflation, he said that uh, Oz owns 10 mansions. That was his response to what will you do about inflation that is worrying the American people right now. Dr. Oz owns 10 mansions, has no plan on how to cut inflation. Oz said Fetterman bought his house from his sister for $1. Uh, and Oz then said he would suspend the federal gas tax and work with the energy industry. Fetterman rebutted that with, I... Uh, fight inflation by pushing back on corporations and oil companies. That's really good. Let's say we're going to attack 
the American oil industry, which saved Pennsylvania. The gas, oil, and fracking boom that started in Pennsylvania 10 or 20 years ago <clears throat> was bringing Pennsylvania back from a rust belt fallen steel giant to, for God's sake, Pennsylvania was Saudi Arabia before there was a Saudi Arabia. They have so much oil and gas in the ground up there, over there, whatever, whatever direction Pennsylvania is. And Fetterman wants to fight the oil and gas industry that could be the saving grace to his state, state's economy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then they brought up the federal minimum wage. John Fetterman. Oz owns 10 mansions. Like, what? Like, we didn't hear you the first several times you mentioned that. Thanks for bringing it up. Uh, he said that the minimum wage should be a living wage. Now, the Democrats are fighting for or talking about making a minimum wage of $15 an hour. That's actually a little below the living wage. Uh, Fetterman had no answer when asked, well, what would you say to small business owners who say that a $15 uh, wage would break their small businesses? Oz answered this with Fetterman, Fetterman thinks that the minimum wage is the allowance he gets from his parents. I shit you not. And Fetterman does get an allowance from his parents. Shit you not on that either. Uh, Oz has said that the market has basically already driven the wages above $15 an hour. And right now... Where I'm at in Ohio, I'm not far. I'm, I could literally walk to the border of Pennsylvania from my house. I mean, it'd be a long walk, but I could walk it. Uh, <clears throat> he or where I'm at, I see signs up everywhere: thirteen dollars an hour starting wage, seventeen dollars an hour for a shift supervisor. You can walk in off the street if you're barely qualified to be a supervisor at a store, you're making 17 bucks an hour. So if you average that out, that's 15 bucks an hour. So the market has driven the wages up. <clears throat> uh, wrapping this up, Oz is so much more intelligent so much more so much clearer with his answers he has plans he has and he talked about policy and plans fetterman did not none of the democrats do in these debates usually uh oz says i am the american dream i i don't know his whole background but i believe being a successful businessman I'm not jealous of his mansions. I think he earned those by being a good businessman. And then the final question they had <laughs> was, are you for the Eagles or the Steelers this Sunday? 
uh, Oz says, uh, my eagles, and then he sang the little eagles fight song, fly, eagles, fly, blah, blah, whatever. Fetterman is a Steelers fan. That was kind of a, a funny way for the moderators to end the debate. Fetterman, first of all, this was a one-hour debate. 30 minutes into it, he was fading. He was becoming less coherent. It was taking him longer to answer questions. And it may have only been a few seconds pause between the question and his answers, but it was a noticeable, confused look and pause. So he, he, couldn't, he, he couldn't comprehend what was said, so he had to take time to read the teleprompter and read the question, even on the simple Steelers or Eagles answer. He took a second or two or three and went, Steelers, of course. Or he might have said, my Steelers, of course. But whatever. There were other more serious questions. It took him a few seconds to process, and he was getting worse as the debate went on, more slurred, more slow to answer, more uh, incoherent answers. But he was disruptive a few times with Dr. Oz. Uh, like I said, he wants to be a bully, and he came across as one. Uh, and like I said, he had a hard time answering questions and had some long pauses between the time that the question was asked and when he started his answer. So uh, not picking on a handicap. I have m mental health issues that keep me from doing certain things. I just don't put myself in that position where I could have a panic attack. Uh, I have a health issue that's called obesity. I don't put myself in a position, say, on an airplane where I'm going to make other people uncomfortable because I take up more than one seat. And if I do fly again, I'm going to make sure I buy two seats. And I'm going to fight like hell to make sure that seat next to me is empty for my comfort and so that no one next to me has to be uncomfortable. The point is, if you know you're not capable of doing a job or doing some activity, you just have to pull back and not do it. It's that simple. So, anyhow, the Democrats are running on, hey, look at us, we're not Republican, we're not Donald Trump. Republicans are running on the issues that matter to the American people, and it's showing up in these polls, in these races where Republicans have no business being within 10 or 20 percentage points, and they're either tied or a few percentage points ahead. So God bless you guys. Pray for one another. Have a great, great, great rest of your time. Love somebody today and be the reason somebody feels love. Be the reason somebody feels loved. Amen. I have to relight this son bitch again. <laughs>